Texas Banking. Today, we're excited to have a conversation with Rachel Powers. She's the Executive Director of the Citizens Environmental Coalition. She became the Executive Director in 2013 after volunteering for the organization for nine years. She has extensive experience as a coalition builder, environmental advocate. We're so excited to have Rachel on the show. So today I'm with Rachel Powers, who's the Executive Director of Citizens Environmental Coalition. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So Rachel, I want to just ask you why this? You went to Rice University. You have, I think your degree is in art history. Mm -hmm. And so I see a big chicken behind you. So that's great. I love that (laughs) part, right? But I want to know why this? Why did you choose this purpose for your life? When I was in college, I really had no idea what I was going to do with the rest of my life. My senior project was a series of abstract photographs of recyclable materials. Okay. Looking back, oh, that makes perfect sense. I did the major as much for fun as anything else. I took a lot of analytical classes and writing classes and, you know, the things that you really need for any job. And the photography has served me well. It helps communicate stories and issues, but I've always been interested in environmental stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I look back, I had a second grade teacher who would always take us out into the stream behind the school to look for frogs and toads and (laughs) caterpillars and butterflies. My grandparents were naturalists as hobbyists. And so it's just always been important to me. That's awesome. So when you say your grandparents were naturalists, I mean, that takes a different connotation for several people, right? So what Mm -hmm. what do you mean by that? My grandfather was internationally renowned for taking photographs of birds. Uh He did them stereoscopically in 3D. So he would take me out into the woods um, with a whole bunch of gear and we'd look for birds. He had favorites that he liked Uh and he had a bird blind set up outside the window above his kitchen sink. And so he had a little remote control so we could push the button to take pictures of them. So we were always taking pictures of birds. And I love that. I mean, that's a great story because I think it is one of those things that you don't know how something may shape you or may intrigue you later on in life or something you had through your childhood that Mm -hmm. something very wonderful you got to do with your, you know, your grandfather, something that may have helped shape why you liked nature, right, in in itself. Mm So I'm always interested in talking to people when they, you know, what, what drives them to do certain things that you may not talk to them about how their life went, what Mm -hmm. little things in their life may have driven them a certain way and have that purpose. So I think that's, that's always really interesting. You've been described to me as a glue to Houston environmental movement, which I think is really what a compliment to you, a natural connector and a thought leader. How does that make you feel, Rachel? It's a lot of fun. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, There's so much that needs to be done from an environmental perspective uh, in Houston, nationally and internationally. And it's nice to have a small role to play. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is the grueling work of fighting an uphill battle, but there are enough wins and exciting moments that it's gratifying. And I have kids, so I want to leave the world a better place for them. Yeah. Someone calls you something like that, a natural connector. When I think about natural connector, it means it's someone who understands that the power is showing them how to believe in something better than we already have. And Mm -hmm. you must have that connection. So tell me how you do that. Well, the Citizens Environmental Coalition is largely a communications-based organization. It's a 50-year-old organization. We were incorporated in 1971. I wasn't part of the incorporation. Um, uh, At the time, there were about two dozen environmental organizations. The founders couldn't keep track of who was doing what when. I mean, 
There was no okay. website, no internet, no email. Right, right. And it was just a little bit harder to do back then. And so the CEC stepped into that role. And to a large extent, that's what the CEC is doing. It's connecting the environmental community through publications. We still do that newsletter and events. Mm-hmm. So we've been hosting Earth, in, Earth Day Houston, for example, off and on for 50 years. Since you've been doing this work, do you see a difference in what you do? I mean, do you see a difference in the, the change? I guess not just from an environmental perspective, because there's so much work to be done continually, uh, Mm -hmm. as we all know. But just from a people perspective and how they look at the environment, what do you wish was different about that, that you could reach people with? Hmm. It's a challenge. I mean, there are millions of people in this region and our newsletter doesn't reach all of them, not even close. Right. But the thing that's really gratifying is to hear from somebody who saw an issue that was reported on in one of our newsletters and thought it was really interesting, started Mm -hmm. following that organization and then and, you know, a year later saw an announcement about a job at that organization and then got a job at that, that organization. Right. And now they're making a difference. there, doing something they're passionate about to, to make the world a better place. And those are, I also work with a lot of interns. I love working with. Oh, do you? With, Tell me why. Well, I like brainwashing them. I probably shouldn't <laughs> say that, but. <laughs> well, that's okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, they're going to be carrying the torch soon. And I want to give them as many tools as they I can give them. Understanding of how the system works and what tools are available to, to make change. And so I know that they'll be able to go on and do those sorts of things. And how do they come to you? I mean, how do you get an intern? You said you work with a lot of interns. So I mean, mm-hmm. do they come? Do they apply for internship? Our website, we've had a website since 1996 and we have a lot of content on it, which means uh-huh. that when you search for a Houston environment, environmental organizations in Houston, we pop up. And so I get a fair number of random calls and some of them are, yeah, I want an internship. We do have a lot of internship opportunities. Like I said, I'm excited to work with them to have their excitement. It's kind of a Infectious. Infectious. Yeah, I was going to say it's infectious, what, how excited they are. And maybe yeah. not as jaded as some of us who've been around the block a couple of times. Yeah. Some issues, right? yeah. <laughs> but I welcome them into our organization. And so they go on, you know, sometimes they go into a job doing accounting or, or something that you wouldn't think that would be environmental, but they are able to incorporate some environmental practices in the work that they do. Some of them go on to more specifically environmental things. I just heard from a former into and who spent the fall at the White House working on climate policy. Uh, who knew? Yeah, that's who knew? awesome. <laughs> you know, it's nice to know that you yeah, have this. I think that that's interesting you said that though, because I think sometimes environmentalists kind of get a bad rap. It's like you have to be this one way, but we mm-hmm. all should be environmentalists to some degree, right? And in oh. our jobs, I mean, we all have a part to play in that. And I love how you said, hey, look, you can still go and be in accounting and still be an environmentalist, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> work differently. I think that's maybe even a misconception out there a little bit that, you know, everyone has a part to play. If you, if something you could change about that, how would you reach more people about just what everyone's part to play in in our environment? What would be something you'd like to make sure people know about? I want people to know that they can make a difference, that if they take action, it's not going to be in vain. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it takes a long time. Uh, It's not necessarily an instant gratification situation, but we have an archive of our our newsletters. And so we can go back 50 years and see issues that really are still there, still here, still impacting us. And it can be frustrating 
frustrating. I mean, movement has been made, but there are other things where a lot of changes have occurred. 50 years ago, if you went out to the Houston Ship Channel and looked for fish, you wouldn't find any. But you know what? Now there are fish. Oh, some of them are contaminated with, you <laughs> probably wouldn't want to eat them, but it's They're a huge there. step forward. They're there. Right. And the water quality is getting better and the fish are getting healthier. And But that's not a short term. I mean, that's been 50 years. <laughs> Yeah, um, no. And there's a long way to go. But if we don't, don't think, start now. Right. Yeah. I mean, what's, what's the alternative, right? Mm-hmm. Not not to do anything. And what's the alternative if we don't start mm-hmm. all doing mm-hmm. something now? I've always wanted to ask this. So please excuse me if this comes across not intentionally the way I mean it. But a lot of people look at the United States, Texas, mm-hmm. whatever, as, hey, we had the best environmental policies. Look at India. Look at China, how they you know do things, right? I know. Look at you. You're smiling at me, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't matter what we do if they don't clean up their act. What is your feeling about that? I think that in general, in the United States, we're privileged. Um, we have a lot of privilege. The quality mm-hmm. of life living in the United States is is fabulous. I feel lucky every day. But I think with privilege comes responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we do need to take action within our own communities, but also setting examples. Yeah. We have privilege. We need to use it wisely. We need to be generous with it and responsible. I think that's a great way to put it. If we're not leading that standard, what mm-hmm. do we expect from anyone else? I mean, we always talk about on other things that we do about the golden rule to others, you know, like you want to be treated. So I've always found it interesting that everyone thinks it's someone else's problem. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's it really is all of us trying to do just a little bit better than we were today. And if we all did that, mm-hmm. I mean, just think how much better it would be. And yeah. I think that's that's a case that sometimes gets lost in translation. Mm -hmm. It's got to be monumental. I think your story about the fish, it's a great story. Mm -hmm. I mean, but what would be the alternative if you didn't do anything, right? Yeah. So I think that that's a great story to talk about. If there was one thing about the environment that you would really want people to know, it's like, this is, this is something we should all know about the environment. What would that be? There are so many things. And it can't have to be one. I mean, yeah. So like I said, small steps now will add up. And over time, they make a tremendous difference. Kind of like investing at a bank. You'll grow money. You can (laughs) grow environmental benefit. Right. Uh, Right. I love that. I love that. And you got to think long term. You don't start a savings account for next week. You look further. It could be a bumper sticker. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But climate change is going to be a tremendous issue. It's kind of a scary thing. And I think in the environmental community, we wonder, have we reached the point of no return? But I think we have to have faith that we can still make a difference. And action now is really important. I mean, we have to think about our legacy to future generations. What do we want to leave for them? I I love the point you just made is that if you don't have hope and Mm -hmm. you don't feel like there's any chance, then why would any of us do anything, right? I mean, right. that's kind of, that's people with a purpose. We have to have hope mm-hmm. that things will be better for not only for ourselves, but for the, you know, our legacy and our children and grandchildren and things like that. So I love that, that I guess it's kind of a deep faith almost that you're doing right. it for so mm-hmm. things are better, right? Mm-hmm. So I love that part about you. So I want to ask you something that's really interesting to me. Listen, you're a very smart person. You went to Rice University. What would you tell 17-year-old Rachel before she got into Rice? What would you tell her about what her life is going to be like? Mm-hmm. What would you do, if anything, a little differently? Well, one thing I tell my interns, I'm like, I, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing when I was in college. I really did not have a plan. And look at me now. And if you look yeah. back over the time since I've graduated and even before then, it makes perfect sense. So a lot of interns come in and they're like, I'm not really sure what I want to be when I grow up. And I'm like, don't worry. 
Because you will grow up and you'll do something. Right. Somebody had told me that. I think I would have had a little bit less angst back then. If I had known, I also probably would have tried to buy some really cheap property right around Rice University. I wish somebody had told me that too. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Good investment. Um, be curious. I mean, I was curious about everything and yeah, go for it. I mean, those are the things I would have liked to have heard. Great. I mean, I think going forward and a bit curiosity, right? I think that's uh, what a great trait. I don't think enough people have being curious about what's out there and what could be. And that you're able to touch those interns in that, to your point. I think that's that's one of the things that really drives your current role and how you want to see Citizen Environment Coalition grow. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. I have about a million big dreams for the season. Okay. Uh, uh, We are trying to reach out to more people through events and publications. So one of the things that we've got coming up is our film festival, which is Mm -hmm. a really approachable way to talk about local environmental issues and solutions. Mm -hmm. And environmental issues can be really overwhelming, but the film program that we put together is you can see it, you can understand it, you can understand the feelings that are involved in it. And then also the science and policy issues that are related to it. But it's nice to just have that connection. So I am Mm -hmm. hoping we can reach a lot more people with that, our film program. So have you been doing that for a while? So we started the Wild and Scenic Film Festival. I think this is our eighth showing of it, but that's produced in California. So five years ago, we started a local environmental film festival with local environmental short films. And so we're trying to grow that and put that on the road and share it with libraries and schools and community centers and parks and businesses who are looking for business bonding. They come, you know, watch the film festival. We'll send you the films. You you bring the popcorn kind of thing. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's kind of a, it's one of a lot of things, but it's a fun one. That's. Well, I think that's great that you're trying to make a connection through film and through something that's an event. So I think, you know, just to bring a little more awareness, that's what drives you every morning. I mean, how many kids do you have, Rachel? I have two teenage boys. Two teenage boys. So sometimes getting out of the house isn't a bad thing. Um, (laughs) So what drives you every day to get up and continue doing the good fight? Well, I can just on my drive to work, I cross over White Oak Bayou and there are a couple of trails along White Oak Bayou. Uh And like in our archives, we have information of when the trails were being conceived. So this was in the early 90s. And that's when water quality started being tested to see what the quality was in bayous around the Houston region. I know that when I cross over that bayou, there have been decreases in the contaminations and the water quality, fewer contaminants in the water. So the water quality has been getting better. And I also know those trails have been built and hundreds or thousands of people using those trails every day. So just to know that CEC and me, I have played a role in the development of that over the past 30 some odd years. You know, it's awesome. It's great. You can see change, but it can take a long time. Patience sometimes, you know, but I think what you said though, is you can see the changes, but you also see it being used by, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So it can coexist. Yeah. You know, you Uh can have good water quality and coexist with lots of people. It just takes both to make that happen. Yeah. I mean, what a great, what a great thing to think about that doesn't have to be one or the other. Right. I mean, so many parts of Houston have gotten so much better because of the efforts of people in the environmental community and the elected officials with whom they talk and the business leaders. And that's wonderful. Well, that's great, Uh, Rachel. I I was on your website reading everything about it. And I just want to tell you, I mean, you should be really proud of the work that you're doing. 
And I hope that, you know, you continue this purpose-driven life that you have, but also that maybe the bank can pay a very small role in just reaching more people, maybe with mm-hmm. this podcast or as a company, we live and work in the communities. That's why communities in our name. Mm-hmm. So we all have a role to play in everything. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk with me. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.